I do forget names, so to choose remember is to make sure that you remember to remember. The other reason why I chose as my wife is that I realized that when I travel alone, people greet me and they, they say a few nice things about me. But every time I have her next to me, people go like, you guys are beautiful. So I realized that it's not... It's because of her next to me. It is a blessing to be here and to be called a child of God. And Pastor Tim and, 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 and the church, thank you for having us. I stand before you this morning a trophy of grace. It was at the age of 15 when my life was wandering without hope. And sin messing up my life. Remember the last time my mother looked at me and all she could say was, if you continue like this, you will die young. But at a Nazarene small church in South Africa, grace found me. And I've never been the same. I had dreams, aspirations, finished high school and enrolled in, in an institution of higher learning. But I made the biggest mistake of my life. And when I hear about 19 young people attending camp, that's the biggest mistake I made. I attended a Nazarene camp. <laughs> and that's where my life was messed up until today. Because it was at that camp where God spoke to me. I was sitting at the back, hiding like young people do. But the finger of God was upon me, and God was saying to me, give me your life. And I'm glad I said yes. It wasn't easy, but I said yes. I've chosen to follow Jesus. And I want my life to be remembered for nothing else but for having been given and poured out for the sake of Christ and for the salvation of the world. Been blessed with a wonderful, beautiful, God-loving woman with a very powerful name. The jealous that I have is that we go places and people forget my name, but they always remember her name. She has been a blessing to our ministry God has blessed our marriage with uh, two, three uh, children, two beautiful daughters who are adults and married now. And then our son is finishing his, his, his uh, college uh, education. And three wonderful grandkids. So we come to you in the name of Jesus. We come to you to share the story of God. The story that we'll be sharing is the story of the journey that God has taken and has been taking us through. We are currently serving the Africa South field. The work of the Church of the Nazarene in, in, in Africa is divided into seven fields. And the southern part of Africa, it's called Africa South field and that it's constituted of uh, five countries, which is Lesotho, Botswana, 
Namibia, South Africa, and Swaziland. It's altogether a combination of 23 districts with about 800 churches with the current membership of 85,000. That's where we, we are saving. And our responsibility It's really to check out on where God is at work and run and be there and appear to be like we are responsible for what is happening. But the truth is God is at work in Africa and in Southern Africa and we are privileged to be part of the movement of God. And it's, it's through your prayers and your commitment and you being the global family of the Church of the Nazarene that people in Southern Africa are seeing the grace and the work of God. Altogether, we are responsible for these five countries which has a combined population of 63 million people. And all of them need to know the Lord. I always say to people, sin messed us up in the Garden of Eden. And in Genesis 11, sin spread like cancer throughout. But God in his mercy through Jesus Christ, came and stretched his hands on Mount Calvary and said, I want them back because the Father wants them back. He established and chose the church as his agent to bring them back. And he strategically waited for the right time when the representatives of all the people of the world at that time were gathered in one place and he poured his spirit and he sent his church and said, you started Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Africa, and Asia, and India, and Europe, and USA, and China, until all, even the small islands, are covered. And our story, it's not rested when we pronounce the benediction. Our story will not be rested at the general assembly or the district assembly. But our story will rest when we stand and we see and we come at the feet of the reality of Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. When those who cannot be counted from all nations, of all races, of all age groups, of all languages, all will be dressed in white, having been washed by the Lamb. And that's why we are here. And that's why we are the church. And the Father will be saying, thank you, church. And thank you, son. Now they are back home. Our goal is to be back home. I, I will be sharing the story of grace with you about what God is doing uh, in Africa and in our part of Africa. And I will be using the slides presentations, but I, I will be sharing my story based on the story of God as uh, unpacked in the book of Acts chapter 16. The next slide 
will bring us to that. To that. Chapter 16 uh, on, from verse 6. I will be sharing a few principles about how I see God working in Africa and how I believe, Pastor Tim, God wants to be working across the world. A few, a few lessons that I've learned as I, I, I walk with God, which I want to share with you. Chapter 16, verse 6, the, the, uh, from verse 6, the word of God reads as follows. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been camped by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mesia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus will not allow them. So they passed by Mesia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Lord, we submit ourselves under the authority of your inspired word. We pray that, Lord, may your word speak life, transformation, restoration, and all the good things of heaven be spoken into our lives. We want to hear you, Lord. We don't want to go home with information, but we want to go transformed. We want to go home challenged. So, Lord, I pray that you cover me with your presence as I declare your story in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Acts, which many Bible scholars say it's supposed to be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit instead of the Acts of the Apostles. It is surely the Acts of the Holy Spirit it is a record by the servant of God, Dr. Luke, trying to tell us the story of God after the day of Pentecost. I, 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 I'm going to share our story from this story and use this as a blueprint. The three things that stand up for me, which I think are relevant and need to be heard by the church over and over again. It is a story between this or behind this beautiful encounter. The compelling vision. It is a compelling vision. What makes it compelling, number one, is that when you listen to the story, in fact, when you go back and you, 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 you look at where it all started. There is this beautiful church called the, uh, the Church of Antioch. A beautiful, wonderful church. The combination of membership, the dedication to prayer, the commitment to missions. I mean, this church, I think it should have been the Church of the Nazarene. It had everything, the DNA of that which makes the church to be the church cross-cultural, 
all the dynamics that you think of. And, and they believed in prayer and they've just been praying and the Holy Spirit steps in and says, set aside for me Paul or Barnabas brother and Saul. Set them aside. So from the onset, it's not the general superintendent, it's not the Pope, it's not the church body, but it is the Holy Spirit pointing a finger and saying, I want this gentleman, I want the best members of your church, Pastor Tim, to be set aside. And here we see Barnabas and Saul being released into missions. Friends, the first thing that I want us to see on this compelling vision is the fact that it is propelled and led by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who says, set aside. And even the, the, the GPS of missions, the choice of places to go will be determined by the Holy Spirit. The few verses that way we have read, we see the contrast between common sense and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Common sense said to the gentleman, this is a beautiful place to go and preach at. And the Bible tells us that when they wanted to go there, the Spirit will not let them. And they looked around and th there was this other place that looked like it's ready and everything it said. And even then, the Bible says, the spirit of Jesus will not let us. My prayer, friends, is that as we walk with God, we listen to him and learn to walk by the spirit as he leads. There is a time when common sense makes things look obvious. And sometimes we do God's work based on common sense. I say to people, the reason why God always defies common sense is because common sense is too common. That's why it's called common sense. The church needs to be led by divine sense, not common sense. They were led by divine sense. The problem about divine sense is that it calls you to a space where the church is put in a space called business unusual. Common sense is a reputation of doing things the way we have been doing them. And it gives us the ability to be in charge because we know it. We follow the routine. You see, Paul and, and, and his team have been doing the normal thing. And the normal thing is, okay, we are going to the next location. How do you judge? Do they have a synagogue? If they have a synagogue, good shot. Because this is how we operate. We will go to the synagogue. We will wait for, uh, for the time. We will read the scroll. And then I will explain, I, Paul, will explain from the Old Testament the, the, the story of Jesus and bring them to the Messiah. That's how it has been happening. That's the routine. That's the business as usual. That's why they wanted to choose those other places. And the Spirit of Jesus said, no, this time. This time, the spirit of Jesus was, going, was saying to them, I'm inviting you to a space of God's business unusual. The church is going to be started in Europe. 
Well, in the night, he has a dream. But friends, here is the business unusual. In Macedonia, there is no synagogue. Instead, it's a few women worshipping next to a river under a tree. Have you done church next to a river under a tree? No, God, it should be in a synagogue. No, synagogue, it's routine. You see, God is not captured and trapped by programs. His heart is yearning for people. He's not interested in how you have perfected the system. He's interested in how our hearts are going out to save them by all means. Paul and his team are used to working with men in the synagogue because in the synagogue it's men who are in charge. Well, under the tree, men are too embarrassed to be part of something that public. So it's only women. I'm trying to say something to you. When God, when grace wants to work, he will use what is available. And sometimes it will be something that we are not used to. Because he likes doing that so that we don't take credit. And that's what happened. Lydia gets converted. It's business unusual. Friends, one of the things that, 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 that kills the church is that the church gets used to doing routine worship. I don't know about you, but as a pastor all my years, as a district superintendent, as, as a president of the college, I'm used to hearing people in a committee, we have never done it like that before. <laughs> well, friends, and, and unfortunately, maybe because I'm not normal, maybe I'm crazy. In fact, this is, this is what invites me. I like being invited into a space of doing things that have never been done before. That's a challenge to me. You know why? Because all the things that God has done, they were never done before. Did you know that when he created the heavens and the earth, it was never been done like that before? Do you know that when he created Adam, it has never been done like that, like that before? When he died on the cross, no one had ever died for people before. When he rose from the death, no God had ever risen from the death. Let me tell you, the business of God, it's a business that has never been done like that before. So don't get caught up. You know, we, we live in a world that says things. Some of the things that they will say to you, it's if you continue doing what you have been doing, you will continue getting what you have been getting. Sounds smart. Sounds very intelligent, isn't it? In fact, they do that to invite you to change, to say if you want change, you must change. Well, I've been thinking about that statement. I don't think, I'm not sure who, 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 who coined that statement, but I, I, I want to challenge that statement. You know, one of the things that kills growing movements is the opposite of that statement. Because if that statement is, pos is positive, if we've been doing something and the church is growing, the community is coming to Christ, well, the temptation is to think that if we continue doing that, we'll continue growing. 
But the truth is that life is dynamic. The dynamics of the community will always change. So if we, if we want to do what we have been doing in 1963 because it was working, we will find ourselves continuing to doing what we have been doing but not getting what we have been getting. Get it? Makes, makes you think. So that's what God did with us. He called us from our comfort zones. I, I think I was a successful district superintendent. Our district was growing by, by I mean, everything. I mean, my, my leaders were happy with me. We went to district assembly, but the spirit of the Lord was saying to me, it's time for me to resign. And I was due to be re-elected. And when we went to that assembly, I told my, my leaders, and they said to me, no, if it's from the Lord, let, let's, let, let's give the people a chance. They will vote. And, 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 and I was told that. I learned something new since I've been to the U.S. Uh, from one wise old man uh, uh, who, who said uh, the two dangerous things in this world. It's a man with a loaded gun and a Nazarene with a ballot. I had to come to the U.S. to learn that. But, but, but I, the, the, the people voted, and all of them, except one, voted for me to continue as a district superintendent for the next four years. Well, I don't know who the, the, the one vote came from. I suspect, people suspect it was from my wife, but she hasn't confessed yet. <laughs> but when it was time for me to stand and accept, I was in tears. Because I knew that the Macedonian call was saying I must go back to the local church and use our local church as a church planting center. And I stood up in tears and I, I asked for a few days to pray about it. And I, this is what I said to them. I appreciate the respect and the honor, but I'm missing one vote. If that vote will vote in your favor, you will have me. But if that last vote will vote against you, because God is not a democrat, he doesn't go with the majority, I will listen to him. And God said to me, you have done your part. I'm saying when you listen to God, God has a way of messing us up, calling us from the normal state of affairs into a new space. We, we went to that church and, and within, within a space of uh, four years, we had planted three other churches and every time we were releasing people to plant a new church, God was multiplying our church and people, the church was growing. We started a project of extending our church building and, and the project had already started. We were excited about it. And then again, wrong place at the wrong time. We were driving from uh, my in-laws and we drove into the city of Pretoria. If you can go to the next slide, please. We drove into the city of Pretoria and that's, that's the city right there. It's a city of a population of 2.9 million and it was towards midnight. And as we were driving, there's this area, the eastern side of the city is called Sunnyside. We saw a group of young people they were drinking and smoking. I mean, it was like it was during the day. 
They were scattered all over. I had never seen Pretoria like that before. It troubled me. Made a few remarks to my wife and we drove to our place. But the seed was planted. God was calling us to the city of Pretoria. After a few months, the scene repeated itself. We ended up in Pretoria more or less at the same time and we saw the same, if not worse. And at that time, it was clear. I said to my wife, maybe God is saying to us, we need to be leaving, resigning our successful church and take a step of faith and start a ministry to minister to the young people who have left their rural homes to come for a better life in the city and to come for feathering of their education. Well, it's not easy to defy common sense. I struggled with that. I had to go to Mozambique and I was, we, 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 I was preaching at Mozambique at the seminary there when eventually I got so sick. Sometimes God allows sickness to get our attention. I got so sick that I thought I was going to die that night. And in my, in my bed, my wife was praying and we were troubled. They could not diagnose. I don't know what was happening, but the whole body, my system, I was perspiring. I was struggling to breathe everything. We had gone to the doctor that, that afternoon, but they just could not. So that night, I thought it's over. I looked back with excitement and concern. And the question that came to mind was, if this is the last night, what will be the unfinished business? And it was like switching on a TV. I saw Pretoria and the young people roaming the streets without hope and without Christ before me. When we came back, again, people said we were crazy. We resigned our church. And we went to a public university in Pretoria and start, negotiated and rented a lecture hall. And we started a ministry in this university. If we can go to the next slide. We started with a group of young people. And our vision and our calling was to bring Christ to young people and reach young students. Because we had discovered that not only the Church of the Nazarene, but the church at large was losing young people. And part of the reason was that there was no presence of the church in public universities. I was never trained, Pastor Tim, at the, at the, uh, at the uh, theological institution. I was never trained to do that crazy ministry. I was trained to do church as usual. So we're stepping out into doing church unusual. I realized that the way we have been doing church, and I, I praise God for the way you, you allow grace to, to take over. We, when I saw we praying for my brother there, it reminded me of the beautiful times that we had in that church. How many healings took place. How many deliverances. We were so excited about what God, It was normal to, to, to see God touching lives. To, see, to hear people testifying about how God came through. So I believe in divine healing. I have seen God changing lives. I have living testimonies of people who... I mean, one guy... 
this woman, when she conceived after everything that was done, the gyno who had said she will never conceive, when God stepped in, that, that gyno, he, he banged the table when he heard that she was pregnant. He said, never, never, it will never happen, but not with my God, for nothing is impossible with God. I have seen him in my short life. Our God is alive. Our God is not a story in the book. Our God is not a theory. Our God is a living and loving and caring and transforming power. If we say yes to him. So God sent us into this space. And we started in a, in a, in a, in a, in a hole that would take about 165 uh, people. And then before we knew it, God had kept it. We went, rented the, 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 the next hall, which uh, could accommodate about 280 people. And before we knew it, even that was not big enough. If we can go to the next slide, please. God has planted in my heart and in our hearts as a field, the vision to take young people to Christ. As we respond to the call of God, into the cities, into business unusual. So we have three universities in that town, and uh, those, those, those are the names of the universities and the population of the universities. We started the ministry called Divine Hope Church of the Nazarene, and our main target group is really to bring these young people to Christ. After some time, after being in that space for about uh, seven, eight years now, we have seen God changing lives. The exciting thing about it is that we, our, our membership is not very permanent because these young people come to study. They spend three, four years in that space. Oh, you can see that as a disadvantage. But if you are a missional movement, you see that as God's strategy. Because we have these four years to bring them to Christ. To mold them as leaders and agents of change. To help them to graduate not as professionals, but to graduate as professionals who are God's agents of change. So when they graduate as engineers, as, as doctors, as whatever, we instill in them that they are first and foremost ambassadors of Christ. So for us, a graduation ceremony, it's more than them just getting a certificate, but it's us as a church sending out missionaries across Africa and beyond. The church it does not do missions. The church is just missions. It's missional in its nature. That, 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 that you know, even, oh my God. It has never been done like that before. We don't, we don't do that. We, we don't have the disturbance that while we are preaching, a girl will come and say, these are the servants of the most high God. We are not used to that. It's not in our program. That's what the Spirit does. Business unusual. And Paul stops and the Holy Spirit says, command the Spirit. And he says to this Spirit, get out of her. She gets delivered because the city has a way of messing up young people's lives. Like this young girl 
who has been used as a fortune teller and somebody was making big bucks and yet a young life was being destroyed. The spirit moves into the city to stop the destruction and, 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 and of, of, of young people. But that, again, is inviting the church to business unusual. Paul and Silas finds themselves doing prison ministry not the normal way. They did not apply to be chaplains. They came in as prisoners. I'm saying God is going to allow some things to happen and invite you in, in, into some space where you, 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 you are not officially invited, but you find yourself there because God has a purpose. And they allowed the spirit and they started praising worship. That's a wrong place to rehearse for the, for the next service. But they did it anyway. They started rehearsing for the next crusade. They started singing. And when they started singing, heaven opened up and the unusual happened. And the prison shook. And then, and, and then all of a sudden, the tables turned. Those who were prisoners became in charge of the prison. It was Paul who now said to the guy who was supposed to be giving instructions, was panicking and saying, what? shall I do? And they told him that believe in Jesus, you will be saved, you and your family. And what an exciting moment to have a baptismal service in the middle of the night with the whole family being baptized. We feel that as Divine Hope Church of the Nazarene, God is calling us to business unusual, shaping leaders through the institutions of higher learning and sending them out equipped leaders to the world. And as you can see on that slide, that's, that's what we are doing. We do, we do that through worship. We do that through workshops. We do that through conference. We do that through uh, campings. And our target is to make sure that the shakers and movers of today and tomorrow, which is our young people, are filled with the Spirit of Christ. And they have found God's purpose for their lives. So as we do that, Yes, we do have challenges. Uh, one of the challenges is that the, the university started having problems with us doing church in the university. So if we, you can go to the next slide. We found God's grace and uh, we were able to, in the CBD, which is just about five, it will be about three miles, it's five kilometers, about three miles away from the, the, the university, we found uh, an old warehouse and we were able, allowed to, to, to lease it and transformed it into a place of worship. So at the moment, we are stationed at that place and we are still ministering to the three universities. What you see there, it was our first service on the 14th of August last year, which was my birthday, when we were opening uh, for the first time that place having been transformed into a place of worship. Our prayer and our need is to continue ministering to the three universities and continuing doing what we have been doing with the intention of changing lives. If you can go to the next slide. We, we do have opportunities and challenges. The new, it, it's a new opportunity, a privilege for ministry. The majority of the students, as I've already indicated, come from rural uh, areas and, of course, uh, they are, they are very economically challenged. The biggest challenge that we have as we do our ministry, of course, 
it's transportation because the cost of transport, transporting students from the three universities, it's quite uh, heavy. At the moment, what we are doing, we are leasing, uh, we call them taxis, it's, it's uh, public uh, 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 transport uh, by private owners. We, 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 we rent them to help us transport our students. This is the solution, and that's where we need your prayers and your support. We have a vision of raising money to buy at least a 26-seater bus for this ministry, for us to be able to transport these students to and fro, and for us to be able to do the camps that we need to be doing and, and all the work that we need to be doing. And this is, this is what we are trusting God for as we continue to listen to the call to Macedonia and learning to do ministry the unusual way. In the next slide, it's how you can pray with us. Pray that God will give us a place where we can have our own spiritual home. Pray with us that we will continue to win Pretoria for Christ and that the church in the city ministry across South Africa, because that's our vision as a field, is that the Church of the Nazarene in, in that part of the world has been moving and doing a lot of work in the rural areas. We are declaring 2018 to be the year to bring the church back to the city. So pray with us in that, in the, in that, in that uh, area. And developing Christ-like disciples through the divine hope uh, uh, brand. And pray that God will meet our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In closing, friends, let me say this to you. God has called us as the Church of the Nazarene and as the Christian body. He has called us because people need Jesus. He has not called us to have a good time of worship and it stops there. The business of God, when we miss that, when we miss the fact that people are dying without Christ, we are stopping to exist as a church. I've said this to, to, to people. People need Jesus. And God has a plan. And his plan is the church. And God has no plan B. And my prayer is that we will be obedient to the call. I don't understand him. That's why today we have no excuse, Pastor Tim. In the past, we could say, I'm not called for missions. It's too far. I don't understand how he works because it's not only in Africa. The U.S. is struggling with that. You know what he has done? He has brought all the mission field at our doorsteps. The people that our grandfathers used to fly to go and reach. God is bringing them to our city. And my prayer, Pastor Tim, is that he will help you and your leadership to be sensitive to his voice. That as the complexion of this community changes, you allow the spirit to help you to adjust to business unusual. That you don't get stuck on doing things even if they don't bring them to Christ. Jesus died for people not for programs. Lord, we submit ourselves 
under your command. And my prayer is that you will speak now open our eyes and help us to hear your cry and your heartbeat. Help us not to be trapped into organization and forget that we are called to go and make disciples of all nations. Help us, my God, that our ears are not closed to hear the cry from around us and beyond as the Macedonian cry pitches up, help us to respond in prayer, in going, in giving, in teaching, in preaching. By all means, O oh God, help us to make our contribution, O oh God, that as you bring them and as you send us to go and get them, either way, Lord, find us obedient. To the call. It blesses my heart to hear Dr. Luke said when we woke up, we knew that God had called us to Macedonia and we started right away. Help us, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.